loved you both. I've hated you ever since I can remember. I hate you, and I wish you both had cancer. Cancer? Yes, in the head. <gasps> I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain! Are you telling me you built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean? This is the stupid answer Uh-oh. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. <laughs> Don't worry, I got an idea. And now, the host of the Stupid Cancer Show, Matthew Sack. Woohoo! Not that there's anything wrong with that. Because he has a lot of chicks, but. <laughs> Alright. Hello and welcome to episode 338 of the Stupid Cancer Show, The Voice of Young Adult Cancer. I'm your host, Matthew Zachary, a proud 19-year young adult survivor of brain cancer, broadcasting now, right now, from the Chemo Deck, our fabulous studio in downtown Manhattan. The Stupid Cancer Show is a production of Stupid Cancer, the largest support network for young adults affected by cancer online at stupidcancer.org. I'm Kenny Kane, co-founder of Stupid Cancer, welcoming all of our first-time and returning listeners Never miss an episode by signing up for our newsletter and subscribing to the free podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, iHeartRadio, or Block Talk Radio. Not okay that 72,000 young adults are diagnosed with cancer each and every year. So, got cancer under 40? Sucks, huh? Time to get busy leaving, folks, because the stupid cancer show is changing the world one chemo infusion at a time. This episode, we talk with Vicki Bergout. Founder of Viver Health and Dr. Beth Dupree, Chair of Surgery and Medical Director of Integrative Medicine at the Holly Redeemer Health System about Viver Health and the importance of nutrition with cancer. And our epic special spotlight tonight on Uber Advocate Jameson Reynolds, the head nerd. You're going to correct me with the title there uh, of Nerd Herd Running, one of our extraordinarily powerful friends in the world of advocacy and fundraising, supporting all the wonderful things we do, including this show. And with that said, our ingratiating applause. Now, Jameson, you're here in studio with your lovely wife, April. Welcome. Thanks for having us. Yes. Hey we, there. You'll be in the uh, the embarrassing, we'll embarrass you in about 10 minutes with the official interview. Excellent. But we love having in studio guests, and I noticed there were two charming young little men sitting on the couch over there. Yeah, those are nerdlets <laughs> over there. <laughs> That's okay. My wife, my wife's nickname is BB, so our kids are the Beeblets. So we get it. That's good. We're, 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 I'm, I'm making the the uh, the um, Fokker looking at you symbol for the radio listeners mm-hmm. out there mm-hmm. at Jameson. Anyway, hello, uh, Sean and Mallory and Kenny. Hello. Hello. <laughs> hello. Oh, Kenny, you're so personal. Good evening. Yes. Well, I want to start with Sean because we were supposed to go to um, Colorado this weekend uh, for some fundraising and collective community building and, and partnerships and whatever, and you got to go the day before the storm destroyed Denver with 9,000 feet. So they, Denver became Boston, basically, with the road shut down and the schools and everything like that. But tell me more about your trip. Yeah, lots of gnarly pow over there in, in Denver. Um, but I did get to meet with a lot of key folks over there in Denver. It was a great trip. Uh, met a survivor who was diagnosed at the age of eight. Um, he's now... 27 kicking ass devoting his life uh to fighting cancer which is great over at the hospital over there um met with the chamber of commerce in denver which was cool and uh we have a good friend mary over there that we got to meet with as well so so not a complete loss no definitely worth worth being out there and we're going back out there like in a month aren't we yeah or, or makeup trip which is good stuff yeah and uh mallory how you doing i'm just dandy what are you up to Oh, you know, just the usual. I remember, like, the last time you moved, like, 11 people in a weekend. At least, you, did you have a better weekend, at least? I, I did. I was supposed to move quite a bit of stuff, but um, thanks to two feet of ice, right. I got out of that. Um, still had to do some moving. 
um, but not nearly and as much as snow tomorrow. To. More snow tomorrow. I, I'm normally a huge snow person. I love it. It's amazing. It's magical, but I'm over it. Did you see like the, um, there was a really funny, um, I don't know, it was like a sticker going around on Facebook about snow from the perception of a child, white, and but snow from the perception of a commuter. Which is like black mud. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. That's basically yeah. an accurate description. Yes, exactly. And Kenny, uh, how you been? I'm doing well, Matthew. Thanks. Yes, yes. I'm glad you're doing well, Kenneth. And we're going away. We're taking a trip. We are. Where are we going? Back to uh, our favorite uh, bed and breakfast in Houston. Oh, uh, yes. Uh, oh, those days. What are you th- talking about? Uh, oh, no. We're going somewhere else. <laughs> we're going to uh, the, the... Wrong the, memory. The first ever <laughs> YSC Summit in Houston. The Young Survivor Coalition, our, our partners in crime here for young women affected by breast cancer, are hosting their first independent national conference. Very proud of them. Kudos to them. Uh, is there a website, ycsummit.org or something? Yeah, or? I would just go to youngsurvival.org and then yeah. look for the big banner. It's going to be a really big deal. They spun off on their own after, I think, 10 years of partnership uh, with another conference. I think maybe even longer than that. Might have been more than that. But uh, we're, we're proud of them. We'll be there representing Super Cancer, being there for all the young women with breast cancer. Um, but I think the really good news uh, for the uh, quick update here on the show is that CancerCon sold out, sold out, sold out, and with an expansion package, too. We went from 500 to 560 or 570, too, and we're still sold out. And Wild. Allie told me that our exhibitors, is one exhibitor slot left, and I said, out of how many, 40? No, 60. We have 60 exhibitors. That's insane. It is unbelievable. It's incomprehensible how how much this this has grown. It's incredible, and uh, along with CancerCon, of course, comes the phenomenal update weekly update from Sean about how well we're doing with the VIP club. Yeah, we're currently at sixty two thousand six hundred and fifty dollars, which is just about two thousand dollars over what we raised last year. So we're six weeks out and already ahead of our goal, ahead of our goal from last year. That's amazing, really amazing. Um. Yeah. yeah, it's it's mind-boggling. That, that it's like um, Doc Brown and Back to the Future. I finally invented something that works, <laughs> and it's working. Um, but it's really good stuff. And uh, what else? I have no idea. I think we're I'm out of ideas. Yeah. Uh, That's it. Closer to spring. <laughs> less winter, more spring. Yeah. Bring All on right. the spring. Well, if that's the case, let's just kick off the show here with our fabulous. Uh, Advocate, Uber, incredible spotlight Head of the guy. nerds. Yeah, head of the nerds. You get, uh, you get the special promotional onboarding music here. That's nice. Jameson Reynolds. Nerd Herd Running is made up of a group of unlikely friends, probably actually like each other, with a desire to do good things in the world, who came together while running road races for charity and became a bunch of virtual race organizers. It's all downhill running or flat running at sea, sea level, my kind of running. <laughs> Down and running, <laughs> low humidity, <laughs> lots of sun. Really excited to welcome uh, to the Stupid Cancer Show the one and only Jameson Reynolds. Thanks for having us. Hello, sir. And your lovely wife, April. Howdy. Howdy. <laughs> We're really excited to have you here on the show. And um, I mean, for I mean, th- this is a long time coming. Had you been on anything before? No. Or, that's Kenny's fault. Completely Kenny's fault. Kenny. I yeah. accept that. <laughs> <laughs> But, I mean, again, you guys have been so endearing to us and have adopted us as, you know, and, and, and I think one of the most impressive things that I'm proud of personally is that when people support us, they actually see what happens with the money. And we've spent a lot of time in the last couple of months and, and years even quantifying. What does that mean? How, what does that help? And, and this isn't a shot at anything else. But when you raise money for, like, research, it's nice. It helps somebody someday. And that's important. We need that. But we help people today, mm-hmm. right now. I mean, Kenny's getting help this moment. I am. Just from the emotional support we're giving him for his clinical depression. Testing my, texting <laughs> my sponsor right now. <laughs> well, I can say that I used to work uh, for a nonprofit in the cancer industry, t- cancer community. Right. And uh, we would have volunteers say, well, where's my money going? Right. And we would give them a pamphlet that had a pie chart. Right. That said how the dollar got broken down. But when they said specifically, well, where's my dollar going? Right. I would have to give them a pie chart. Yes. You know, so um, working with you all has been fantastic because when we've asked you, so where do these, these dollars go? You can tell us. And that's been that's been very, very good for us. We really do right. appreciate that. This is year three of your support. 
Yes, we just we just kicked off year three. That's so incredible. we started in 2013, April 2013. Right. So let's talk about that. How did you get into this racket? I mean, obviously, your bio said you ran into a group of unlikely friends. Did you buy their friendship, or you happened to just run into them on purpose and by accident? They were complete strangers really? to start out with. Wow. Yeah. Uh-huh. Wow. And we met on the internet, so that's usually how things, you know, play out, and and then we can like each other later. So, yeah, we didn't grow up together, right. fortunately. So okay. put that in less skeevy context. <laughs> <laughs> we were uh, myself, my wife, and other. The other members of the Nerd Herd were um, all part of an online running team that raised money for another cancer nonprofit. Right. And we would meet up every year and go to Disney World, and we would run the January races in Disney World. Is that the and, Goofy thing or whatever? Uh, it is the Goofy thing. Yeah. Uh, for, for those of you that don't know, Goofy is if you run the uh, half marathon on Saturday and full marathon on Sunday. Right. The same weekend. And, and then go to the Chinese buffet on Monday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And now they have the Dopey, which is the 5K plus oh, really? 10K plus half. It's, it's, it's a marketing juggernaut that's crazy dear lord so we would we would get together every year i'm tired just hearing about that yeah Mm -hmm. i'm tired talking about it (laughs) but uh just kidding just kidding um but no no we uh we met every year and we would go down there and um we were part of a larger group but over the years some of us started you know to socialize and go through the parks together and start to get you know get to know each other and uh we decided as a group that we wanted to do a fundraiser for the group that we were part of um so we came up with the race, the virtual race series, which is what we host, and the organization that we raised money for, folks that we were attached to, due to potential liability issues, potential threat, not really knowing what we were going to do, asked us, please don't associate because you don't know, we don't know what kind of risk that's going to put us at. Wait, so they were threatened by you raising money for them? I thought that was going to impact their public image or their reputation or something? That is one way you can verbalize that. So, wow, wow. So we decided... I think we have no standards. <laughs> uh, Thank you. Yeah, great. <laughs> so we decided as a group, we thought that we had a good idea. So instead of letting the idea die, we still maintained our, our friendship, our membership with the group, and we just did more traditional fundraising for them. But we wanted to keep moving forward with this idea, so we started reaching out with to nonprofits, and that's how we found you all. So, do you have a personal connection to cancer, or this is just you're an, a, just a generally wonderful person? Um, April I, might disagree. I'm seeing some some scatter there, but I'd like to think I'm a genuinely <laughs> what was the word wonderful person. <laughs> He has his moments. <laughs> we'll let that one settle. Um, no, we we uh, we like everyone has just about everyone has a personal connection to cancer. Um, I come from a long line of of whatever type of cancer that we might come across. Uh, my mom had uh, breast cancer, survived that. Um, when she hit her five year mark, she went in for a normal chest X ray and found a spot on her lungs, and it metastasized very quickly and. She actually died at the age of 50. Uh, my grandmother's had skin cancer, colon cancer, breast cancer. I've got an aunt with ovarian cancer. My mother's sister, her only sister, was diagnosed with cancer, breast cancer, last year. So it's kind of like um, either cancer or heart disease. It's a crapshoot. We're waiting to see which one's going to, you know, well, roll As a our sidebar, way. then, have, are you at risk? Are you... Did, are you gen- genetically tested? Is there something there for I you? I have not been yet, um, simply because my aunt was um, BRCA negative, as was my mom. Okay, um, well, that's good. And at her, least they know that. At least they know that, yes. Um, her, My mother's breast cancer was right on the um, initial onset of that type of testing, and I have four sisters. So it was very important to her to have herself tested for the rest of us. Yes, So, of um, you know, we've been doing this for a long time. All right, um, you're like a pro by color. Consequence. I have become the default counselor um, <laughs> in all of my, you know, work relationships, personal life. You know, somebody has a story or has a diagnosis or a biopsy, they end up coming to me and they say, you know, how how did your mom tell you girls? You know, I've I've had something questionable. How did she do this? And I will. I just recently um, talked to somebody how she should tell her college aged, you know, daughter about a biopsy that might be questionable coming right, and back. that's a so, thing too i mean we talk about young adult cancer it is. you know you're not 80 you don't have to talk to your daughter about right. anything except maybe your will right <laughs> or your florida property when you right. retire you know so it's really um you know you are the embodiment of right. our purpose and i think for uh, uh for me it doesn't scare me anymore i think because i have that experience with with cancer and with dealing with it and talking to people about it that 
um, I, you know, it, it, it doesn't bother me um, to talk about it. I do have a, a fairly solid foundation to, to um, be a resource for. So. And how long have you been married? Uh, Keep thinking. Eleven Not and long a half. <laughs> <laughs> eleven and a half years. So long before nerd herd was a thing. Oh yeah. You, yes. So you've seen this thing start from nothing and become an incredibly Absolutely. impressive yes. juggernaut. Yeah. Yes. So tell us about what is a virtual marathon or virtual race. So a virtual race was something that was new to me, and it was new to a couple of other of us in the herd. Yet some had, was familiar with this concept and. There's a couple of different ways you can do it. I've seen regular road races hold a virtual in conjunction to what they do. So, like, if you can't make it out to Vegas, you know, run virtually with us, that kind of thing. And I've seen other fundraisers use virtual racing. And basically what it is is no matter where you are in the world, um, you sign up for your race. Uh, we give you a—we send you—Nerd uh, Herd Running sends you a custom bib for that race. Um, during the week of the race, you can do it afterward. If you sign up late, that's fine. But during the week of the race— you submit to us uh, your race time and where you ran, um, and then we send you a finisher's medal, uh, just like if you had performed a regular road race. So it's the luxury of running a race without the hassle of having to go to an actual event. Uh, and it seems kind of quirky at first, and it sounds like it's not something a lot of runners would be into. But I can tell you that if you're just getting into running, if you're coming off of a rehab and you're starting to get back, um, especially the early runners, people that haven't really done long distances and they're making that next step. Right. If you don't know if you physically can handle 13.1 miles at once, the idea of doing it surrounded by 10,000, 15,000 people can be very stressful. Of course. So why not do this? I made that mistake. Yeah. Did you? Did you know, ran, wait, <laughs> you have to hear the story. Right. So uh, was that 2011? Yeah, I ran the uh, New York City Half Marathon in 2011. With, with no, no training. No training. <laughs> Really? See, yeah. that sounds like something some of our friends would do. Yeah. Um, we have a training plan for that yeah. specifically. I have a medal yes. to prove that I ran it. Uh-huh. He, he was like the guy in, remember in the movie Cars when like, like he's being chased by Frank, the giant? Mm -hmm. That was him on the, on the bus. They were taking down the mile <laughs> markers as I was getting to them. Did you get, you oh. didn't get swept, did you? No. You well, actually not finished? get swept? That that part of the story we will leave the, off. The bus combine was coming. It, by. it was it, it was like a, it was like a five block sweep. Like I, I was there. So everything we're talking about, like it's kind of funny now, but there are people out there that their biggest fear is getting swept. I mean, you do not want to see it's, that caravan. It's really intimidating, right? It's definitely scary. So here comes Nerd Herd running with the opportunity. Look for a fraction of the cost of doing a road race. You can run with us, you can get your miles in, you can get your medal, and you can know that over 50% of the money you're sending to us, once we cover the costs, all goes to Stupid Cancer, which, you know, supports the nonprofit. Everybody wins. So, so how does the word get out of it? I mean, I just see, like, I, you know, Forrest comes like, I just can't run in. Like, he didn't have a bib, but you're talking about people that just make up their own route with your bib on and, and do that, and it's trust? So I'll take that a step further. Okay. And we don't award the fastest runners. Right. We award the most creative runners. So we actually have contests for, like, best costume, best, you know, this kind of that. So we've had people out running dressed as Princess Leia in nice. parks. Nice. You know, and there's pictures of it. Um, we did a tribute race to uh, Lord of the Rings last year. <laughs> and we had a mom uh, stand in front of a bridge. and Or actually, we had a mom try to cross a bridge. And the kids started screaming, you shall not pass. <laughs> and we had videos of this. And, like, people have fun with it. And they really get, they really get into it. It's, it's a blast. So, all right. So your official title is Head of the Nerds and Manager of Mini Nerds. And... I, I can't help but ask this question. It goes back to a, a, um, a pie chart, speaking of pie okay. charts, that segmented out geek, dork, and nerd. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it was like there was this Venn diagram of what, like, what the three. Mm -hmm. What is your definition of that defines the difference between the three of them? Geek, dork, and nerd. So I don't know if I can put a definition of uh, geek or dork. Um, I think those two actually still have a relative derogatory term. <laughs> and I think as time got, go, has gone on, I think nerd has actually evolved yeah. past that. Um, and I'm not just saying that because we're called Nerd Herd Running <laughs> and I'm the head nerd and, you know, I like Star Wars and other things. But uh, it's Will Wheaton was at a conference and someone asked oh, him about that. Wesley. And, and, <laughs> and his answer was basically, it's, it's not what you love, but how you love it that defines it. Yeah. And I think that's what makes us nerd because, I mean, we've got, we've got nerds that run the gauntlet of anywhere from Star Wars, Star Trek, 
to we've got beer connoisseurs, beer nerds. You know, we, we've got we run the whole gamut of just about anything. Right. So, you know, that's that's what we're there for. That's who that's who we represent. So tell us about the growth. How many like what was the first team? How many people run these days now? Word of mouth, I assume, is what drives this. Yeah, um, not more so. Uh, word of mouth was basically how it started. So when we started this, we had a goal. Um, we wanted to raise four, $5,000. $5,000. That was our initial goal. All right, see, so you belong in the studio, just for fact-checking. I do, yes. <laughs> I'm the silent partner here. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we wanted to raise $5,000, mm-hmm. and there was uh, about 14 of us in the herd, and we were all going to do what we could to spread the word. Um, so it was word of mouth. It was, and that was it. Like we started a Facebook page literally so we could get thirty likes, just so we could get like statistics. Yes, like we had no idea the power <laughs> and, of and a custom URL. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And we had no idea the power of this. So the first year we did this, um, we wound up raising a total of seventeen thousand dollars when our original goal was to max out at five to seven. Wow! So we raised seventeen thousand, and that was net. That wasn't our gross. Um, at that point, we now had a network of a couple of hundred runners that are now taking part of our in our events. So our second year we went live, you know, again, our goal was we really didn't know what our goal was going to be. Um, we just wanted to see what we could do. Uh, we wound up averaging over 500 people per event. Wow. So our net, our two-year net pushed us to $40,000 total, That's which, again, was a $5,000 project yeah. for fun. And this year... We went live with our series two weeks ago, two weeks ago today, actually. And in two weeks, we've had over 300 people sign up, about 300 people sign up. And with our net this year, our 24-month total for Stupid Cancer has now topped $50,000. That's incredible. Where's the big applause? Um, no, he doesn't get that. He gets the mega applause. I think... I think you've since attracted some stupid cancer community people. I we know ha- I know Melinda Hood is one, for yes. example. Yes. Yep. She's uh, she's on the Cancer Con steering committee. Uh, hopefully, there's more. I feel like there should be more. We and we have a we have an interesting network of runners, and we have people that have met us um, through Super Cancer Networking um, because we met at the. Um, we met through the Disney Run community. Right. We have a lot of Disney fans that actually run with us and follow us because if you're a Disney fan, you know, they try to offer as many races as they can. Sure. That's their job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, there's gaps in between races, so a lot of folks will run with us on those downtimes, you know, to keep the, keep that going. And our themes are fun. You know, the, the race themes we try to pay tribute to are fun. Our, our contests are fun. Our medals, a lot of runners really like medals, and our medals are... are they're pretty top-notch. They're, they're tight. Yeah. They're really good. Have so you always, they're the bomb.com. Yeah, the bomb.com. <laughs> Have you always been athletic and a runner, or is this like, like you just your wife's like, you got to get in shape, bro? And Do you have a laugh it. track? <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever see the movie Run, Fat Boy, Run? <laughs> Thanks for that. Thanks. Thank you, Pee Wee. <laughs> so, what brought you? Like, did you have to like just? One day I'm going to start running, and and or I'm going to do this because my friends are running. Or no, my friends don't run. Um, <laughs> well, my friends now run because I'm now friends with runners, right. and I wasn't before. Um, when my my firstborn was born, um, I caught a, a picture. I saw a picture of myself, and I didn't realize how much baby weight I had put on, <laughs> and it was the heaviest I'd ever been. So I had decided that I was going to get in shape. And, and lose some weight and start running. And so then when the second child came and he still really hadn't uh, lost all the baby weight from the first child. Yeah. yeah. So that's like the freshman 15 <laughs> just kept freshman. Yeah. You stayed a freshman. I, yeah. I, he matched me pound for pound and maybe then a little extra. Well, if you're going to do it, you do yeah. it right. Yeah. <laughs> go big or go home. Go home. Yeah. I've been there. Yeah. So I went big. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pun intended. So um, it was at that point where I decided to start losing weight. And then. Um, my my youngest son um, was sick for a little while. He w- he was in the hospital, and when I was in the hospital, I was reading a website about this group that ran at at Disney World, and I was like, if there's ever going to be something that's going to motivate me to get in shape and stay in shape for my kids, the health of my kids, this is going to be it. So yeah, it's kind of self serving to justify a trip to Disney World, you know. <laughs> but uh, that was the motivation I took, and that was about six years ago. Mm-hmm. So it's been pretty consistent since then. So with all these hundreds of runners that you're now aggregating into this amazing community that you've built pretty much from scratch with your friends, do you like rate them and rank them and 
profile them and how are they like um, recognized? Um, we've done some celebrations of our racers uh, as we've gone through different race series. We, like Jameson said, we don't rate them for the fastest runner or things like that. It's the most creative costumes. We do giveaways. We've done seven days of giveaways. We've tried to get people in. We've given away your merchandise. Thank you for giving that to us to give away. Of course. Uh-huh. Um, we do whatever we can to help celebrate people who have gotten their own PRs um, so that it's personal um, records whenever they're out doing actual road races. So we do sometimes uh, a little highlight of our runners and, and little pats on the backs as they're doing good things out in the world. Right, because I had, like, how do you define what was, like, the most boring nerd, the funniest nerd, the nerdiest nerd? Is Are those the types of things that you guys have fun with? Well, I think, I think that's describing, like, if there's people, like, in the actual hurt. Like, there's still the core group that run the event. Um, there's still the, the five or six of us that do the operations of this on a day-to-day basis. And then there's, there's still about the 13 or 14 of us that actually started this that still help with passing the word and that type of thing. Um, we're still the founding nerds, you know, that type of thing. Um, I can tell you if some of them, those titles would probably be applicable. Um, <laughs> But we'll, we'll we'll keep. I guess we can keep that to ourselves. But at, I mean, at some point, it seems like you should do a in person race somewhere. There's a lot of logistics that um, we're kind of lazy and we don't want to put together. Yeah. So you know, bathrooms and water tables, liabilities, and, police, you know, and cones. I you don't know, know I ha- volunteers. I, I have an idea. Kenny and I had this idea a very long time ago. Okay. Like, what is our version of the 5K? Like, if stupid cancer were to like poke a stick there's at, cheeseburger you know, tables no it was called the saunt the the saunter for no cure like beer race or something like that mm. was it no it was, uh, not I a, forget not a, a pub you, girl you need to work on your marketing it was yeah. the saunter <laughs> it was a sa- instead of a like race for the cure it was like a saunter for the cure mm-hmm. like a beer crawl a pub crawl <clears throat> with a bunch of people that look similar to like when a girl's running from a serial killer in a movie <laughs> <laughs> broken leg yeah, oh, but this is the. You, you should flush that out. Let's like <laughs> <laughs> get cracking on that whiteboard session. Yeah, we. I will, I will say when it comes to the virtual racing, we've gotten, you know, not this. We've gotten good. Like we've yeah. gotten good at what we do. We've got an operation. We've got a mechanism now in place that we know what we're doing, and we've got our relationship with our vendors and our and our runners. Um, we're now using social media, f- you know, for good. You know, and if, your Twitter is at herd of nerd. Right. So our Facebook, our our Twitter, our Instagram, it's all at herd of H E R D herd of nerd. Yes. Um, and our website is thenerdherd.info, and that's where you can go to get information about our series. But we've gotten good for that, and you know we've gotten some folks that have asked us about doing an actual road race, logistically liability wise. Yeah, I know that's got to be a huge the nerd, thing. And, and the nerds are stretched all over the country. Like we have to have big nerd events. Right. Uh, what do we call them? Shenerdigans. Uh. <laughs> We have, have sh- yeah, we have to have yeah. We have to have. Is that like Sheboygan? Yeah, we have to have <coughs> Shenerdigans to get together. Shenerdigans. Sorry, just mm-hmm. thought I like lost my. We should do something mm-hmm. at CancerCon with your Denver nerds. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's and we have Denver nerds. Um, we yeah. actually do. We have a couple that live in Boulder. Yeah, so, that's awesome. Um, you know, it's just difficult. So like when we want to get together for we did the rock and roll in Vegas. Right. You know, to get logistically ten plus people all together, that's hard. So right. mm-hmm. to try to run a race with five hundred people on the streets of Vegas, I'll leave that to the rock and roll group and let them be them and we'll do what we do and honestly that would take money away from you guys too so we have a very lean operation in that we have very low costs we you know do as much bulk shipping as we can we try to get metals at a group rate and things like that so that we can give you guys as much money as we possibly can well someone's got to cover kenny's cirrhosis treatments yes Do you have a problem? <laughs> I'm a nurse. I'm here to help. Admitting it is the first we, step. We can talk it about is. it over beers. My, my, my ETOH is oh, top notch. Nice. I like that. I have uh, beericidal ideation. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Final question. Um, what is the future of Nerdhood? I, I'm, I'm hearing great things. You've, co- I mean, it, it kind of, I, I feel a sense of, of commiseration from starting from scratch and seeing something really blossom. We've been doing this for 10 years now, and here we are, like this force to be reckoned with with a staff of like eight people, which is extraordinary. You're on that path now. What are your goals? Just to keep growing it? Do you have, um, I mean, 
take over the world. The nerds, nerds rule. The Absolutely. nerds inherit the earth. The, the nerds run the world. The nerds do run the world. Um, yes. I, I, we are them, by the way. Yes, so. you are. <laughs> we just and, don't run. And they're everywhere. And so you could you could run. I walk with a purpose. So, you know, you could keep up, really. Walking with intent. Uh-huh. Yes. yes. <laughs> intent to walk. The angry walker. <laughs> the angry walker, possibly using the mom voice. You know, it all works. I'm not, I mean... I was never really born to be athletic. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's not really an excuse to not be athletic. Mm-hmm. I, I'm capable. Of, I lost 40 pounds last year just from eating not crap. Mm-hmm. So I've proven that I can actually have discipline if I want to. Mm-hmm. Just this idea of athleticism, and especially since it's like 11 degrees outside, we don't live in an area that's hospitable to health. Right. Mm-hmm. You, asked, you asked a tough question because it's, it's, you know, as anybody says, it's hard to predict the future. But in, when you ask us in a retrospective way, what's the future you know looking back it's tough because this started out as an idea this was just wouldn't it be cool if and then when you start talking about the scope of it being five thousand dollars and hopefully getting 200 runners you know and if we all have we have 14 of us and if we all have 15 friends and they ask a friend you know (laughs) you start doing math like that and then when it expands from that idea of a few of us so now we've raised over fifty thousand dollars we've created our own llc you know because we've gotten to that that level um it's hard to imagine not doing this, you know, so it's just it's difficult to predict the future. It's just it's just really inspiring. And I guess inspiring, notwithstanding us being the beneficiary, of course, mm-hmm. like but on top of the fact that you've seen where this money goes and we can put a face with every dollar and you know, whether it's the radio show that we're on right now, Cancer Con, right. the road trip itself, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, the just the community has exploded. I mean, even three years ago, Kenny, what was Facebook at three years ago, like 30,000? Yeah, and we're at the three hundred thousand. I mean, you probably, that, you probably met us when we had fifty. I, I'm actually, I think I had I met you guys at a restaurant the night you cracked a hundred. Oh, oh, that was the night. I think that was the night. The party. I, I remember you the walking in. And party. You were you were pretty you were pretty stoked. No, yeah, but that was when the when we first started with you guys. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. I can't remember. There was a milestone. I don't know if it was 100, but you were on your road no, trip. No, because 100 was in 2014. Okay, then it was it was a lower number, but I remember you were on your road trip out to um, to your show. Right. Um, to your get-together. Yeah. And I happened to be in New York for a conference for work. It was probably 50 or 25. It, it might have yeah. been that. Or the 250 Stupid Cancer Show party, maybe. That's well, what it was. It was maybe. like the, it was the radio show. Some milestone party. We, we celebrate yeah. numbers. Well, we we can say you know going back to when we realized that the organization we had been attached to, um, we weren't going to be donating through that, and we were kind of so what do we do? And we got a list of nonprofits from one one of the nerds, Sarah. She had a coworker who had she was a survivor, correct? Mm-hmm. And she had a list of organizations, and we started making calls as to who we were going to contact. And I called you all, and. This guy answered the phone, and I was like, I have some questions about um, stupid cancer. Can you answer them for me? And it was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure I can. I, I started it. Oh, that was me? That was you. <laughs> oh. You answered the phone. Like, you literally answered the phone. So to have that type of – knowing I would have that type of communication relationship was a big factor for us. Well, to, you're welcome. Uh, you guys. You're welcome for that. You just had me walk by the phone at the right time, I guess, but – I know, and, it's, and it's been a great relationship. And you hit our age demographic, and that's important to us, too. Yes. Yeah. All right, so the website is thenerdherd.info. Yep. And Nerd Herd Running is in its fourth year now? Third year. Third year. Third year. Okay, third year now. Um, I think it's a great idea, this idea of, like, no, um, no pressure, um, non-threatening, at-your-own-pace, part of a, a virtual community. It, it's exactly what we're doing. Mm-hmm. On our side too, it's it's wonderful. Um, Jameson Reynolds, your title again was the uh, head of the nerds and manager of many nerds. You, you just call me head nerd, head nerd. And April, I assume, is steward of all things Reynolds. Mm-hmm. She is the yeah. man. <laughs> she is the manager of many nerds. Mm-hmm. I, I I'm the head Mom nerd. Mom for short. Mom for short. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Uh, See what we did there. Oh, Very nice. We've got the nerd list. Uh-huh. <laughs> good stuff. No, good stuff. It's I can't thank nerds. you guys enough for coming in studio. We're going to do even greater things together, and it's a it's a privilege. Right on. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jameson and April Reynolds. Okay, Kenny, and now the news. Hello, I'm Kent Brockman, and this is Eye on Cancer. Just the facts, ma'am. 
Head on over to events.stupidcancer.org. That is events.stupidcancer.org, your one-stop shop calendar for all of our social and educational events happening nationwide. Something could be happening in your neck of the woods, and we certainly don't want you missing out. We have some events happening in Raleigh, San Diego, Denver, Sacramento, and New York City. And if you'd like to learn more about hosting your own Stupid Cancer Meetup, visit stupidcancer.org slash meetup. Cancer's lonely. We've got the cure for that. Yes, we're talking about Instapeer, our free mobile app that brings instant, anonymous, one-to-one peer support for anyone affected by young adult cancer. Visit instapeer.org and sign up to join our beta testing community. All right, we launched a newsfeed aggregator on Pinterest for all the articles, blogs, and stories we couldn't possibly have the time to post on social media. Check out what we're reading 24-7 and don't miss a beat. Subscribe at stupidcancer.org slash feed. Cancer is expensive. We're proud to announce cancermaybebroke.com. A national partnership with Give Forward, the number one platform to start a medical fundraiser. You didn't ask to get sick, and your community wants to help you. Visit CancerMaybeBroke.com to learn more and start your personal fundraiser today. It's always a good time to stock up in your stupid cancer gear. Visit StupidCancerStore.org anytime and check out our new t-shirts for spring. Warm weather is just around the corner. That's StupidCancerStore.org. Be proud. Wear stupid cancer. And And that that is is your... Stupid Cancer News. In our main segment on this show, Dr. Beth Dupree, surgeon, author, teacher, and philanthropist whose specialization is treating men and women with breast cancer, uh, led her to searching for and finding additional ways to heal her patients beyond surgery. Joining Dr. Dupree is Vicki Bargout, a pharmaceutical executive and breast cancer survivor herself. Vicki supplemented her treatments with the best medicine, good nutrition. She advocates for sustainable behavioral change as a path to health and is the founder of Viver, V-I-V-E-R, a leading-edge nutrition company. Please welcome to the Stupid Cancer Show, Dr. Beth Dupree and Vicki Bargout. So I, I typically butcher people's names as a rite of passage. So, Vicki, did I do any justice to your surname? Oh, it's perfect. It's Vicki Bargute. Thank you. Okay. And it's Viver. Viver, yes. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, again, it's a rite of passage. It's a badge of honor to have me butcher your last name on the on the Stupid Cancer Show. <laughs> uh, my name got butchered once with, on a Lynn Doyle show when she introduced me as Dr. Death Dupree. Death? And it was a live television show, and I kind of looked at her like, I hope she didn't mean that. Wow, I've been called some really terrible things in my career, but that might actually win the internet right now. (laughs) So welcome to the show. Uh, We've done a lot of shows on wellness, nutrition, sort of, you know, kind of figuring out what to do with your life and how it all packages together to work for you. But I wanted to start with with Vicky first because the... um, you know, I worked very heavily with the pharmaceutical industry for quite a while now on the client side, the agency side, and now the nonprofit side. So it, it's interesting when cancer survivors go to what people can call the dark side. Um, but I want to hear your story first. Tell us your story. Um, like what was like six months before you found out what happened, going through that, where you're at right now, and how you wound up on the perceived dark side. Yep. Well, great. Thank you. Um, so yeah, I actually was working in the pharmaceutical industry for a long time, was actually running um, an oncology division at two very large pharmaceutical companies. Um, and I was actually gone on maternity leave and the day before my second daughter was born, I was actually diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, because I was leading um, some cancer divisions, I was actually aware of the signs and the symptoms and I was just very lucky and was able to diagnose myself. Um, Because at the age of 35, no one would really give you a mammogram and no one would believe that, you know, walking into an office that you have cancer. So after that, you know, understanding really the facts and the statistics of having cancer, especially at the age of 35, um, I really wanted to do everything possible to really supplement um, the medication and the regi- cancer regimen that I was about to go forward with, considering I had a very actually aggressive um, breast cancer treatment. And that's what led me to really where my journey is now, is because at the time when I asked my physicians, you know, how do I supplement this? How do I assure that? You know, I'm around for my two children who were just, one was just born and the other one at two. Um, You know, they couldn't really give me an answer. And that's when it was pretty awesome. That's when I actually met Dr. Dupree. 
um, and really started this path forward in learning how to take care of my body properly through nutrition and exercise and, and other holistic ways. And I'm proud to say after five years now, I am uh, cancer-free and, and um, really healthy and probably in the best shape and health and, um, uh, that I've been in in a very long time. No, and we love, um, <clears throat> absolutely love success stories on the air. I mean, I, I'm on record as saying that my job is uh, part miracles and part tragedy, and it, it's the it's it's kind of echoes the same on the the pharma side too, because you know you're here building you know pipelines of products that take decades and billions of dollars, only to hope that it does help the people who were not able to benefit from it until it comes to market. And I get that, and I don't think a lot of people see that side of the people that work in the pharmaceutical yeah. industry. So you're bringing a lot of interesting yeah. perspective to that. Yeah, but it's, it's very, um, you know, good nutrition and exercise and health can really complement modern medicine. Um, it's not meant to substitute, but really complement it. Um, and when you're feeling well and eating well, you can actually enhance your treatment. But most importantly, and I think that's why, you know, the goal of Viver and, and Beth and I are here today is, you know, a lot of this can be prevented or at least um, minimized to a certain degree if people really take good care of their body ahead of time. And that's something that we, you know, in the fast-paced world that we're living in, you know, it's sort of hard to do. So, so that's let's go to are. let's go to Dr. Death Dupree. I'm sorry, Beth Dupree. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So you're, you're so quick. I do my best. I'm, I'm Jewish by trade. I love it. <laughs> so, all right. So, surgeon first and foremost, allopathic Western medicine. You understand cut and run and the body and all that stuff. Um, what perspective? How did you gain? Uh, I mean, I'm trying not to marginalize allopathic medicine, but is there a trajectory to gain a larger perspective about the mind body components of this through the med school practice, or is that changing? First of all, the trajectory is changing because many individuals choosing to go into healthcare in our current, uh, you know, that are finishing college and starting medical school, a lot of individuals are, are looking at healthcare differently than, say, my group, you know, 30 years ago, where we were basically going in to learn Western medicine, you know, to cut is to cure, a pill for an ill, you know, name it, blame it, tame it, give it, you know, treat the disease and not the person. And I, you know, I, I was trained by fabulous surgeons. I learned how to operate. Thank God I have excellent surgical skills, if I may say so myself. Um, and that built a career in, you know, being a competent, trusted, um, caring physician. It was my personal journey and my friends who were diagnosed with diseases. Um, one, my one girlfriend had a brain tumor and was not given a very... Um, promising prognosis and Lauren's Pat, Lauren's you know journey and being with her changed my philosophical beliefs. Um, having a girlfriend, another physician, an orthopedic surgeon, diagnosed with Lou Gehrig's disease, and having her truly teach me the importance of healing in every patient. Although some patients may not be cured, everyone can find healing. And those, you know, pivotal moments in my life just kind of send you off in this place and you say, okay, you're a Western medicine trained physician. We can't cure every disease. We can't heal, you know, we can't bring everybody um, with a cancer diagnosis to a place where they're cancer free. We're missing something. And that was when I realized that, you know, there's a whole lot to be learned um, from the ancient traditions and, and a, lot for, a lot of Eastern medicine traditions. And what Vicki has basically done with her journey is said, okay, let's get back to the very basics. Food is medicine. You know, what we choose to put into our body, what we choose to put into our temple is so important. And looking at food as that very basic component of, you know, our body's immune systems need to be able to, you know, fend off all types of different diseases. But if we don't give our body the nutritional building blocks with which to do so, then how do we expect it to create, you know, that, that healing pathway um, from the building blocks we've given it? No, and you're absolutely right. We did last week's uh, podcast was on acupuncture and its role in oncology and the fact that insurance companies now, there's a code for that, 
has really revolutionized the access patients have to it. And <coughs> excuse me, I was just having a, a, a talk today about how oftentimes the people who need these services most either can't afford them or do not have access to them. And that the barrier in our country, at least, is this notion of health care versus sick care, where they only seem to want to pay for you if you're really sick and not necessarily trying to get well. Do you have a... Well, iron- Ironically, Vicky and I met through we met, we met through a, um, a mutual friend, but I really got to know her when she came to a weekend. We call them Thrivers Retreats. My foundation, the Healing Consciousness, um, puts on we do retreats for survivors and hopefully create thrivers. And Vicky came to that retreat back in 2010 with her cute little wig on. I'll, I, I'll never forget the smiling face, and she finally pulled off the wig at the end of the weekend. Um, but that weekend, we started our relationship as, I, I've never been her treating physician. I've kind of just been one of her guides along the way. And it was that weekend when I said, Vicki, you know, I wasn't meant to be your doctor. We have, we have way bigger things to do together to create a shift in consciousness on this planet about how we look at nutrition. And, you know, we started out by talking, I tried to con her into doing a cookbook with me, and she took the cookbook concept and, and, and knocked the ball out of the park and basically created the Cliff Notes, because if you don't like to read long books, the Cliff Notes were always the best way to get oh, I to, miss the uh, cliff notes. skip to the end. So Vicki created the Cliff Notes to nutrition, and you know, I sat in a room with five physicians today, and they were mesmerized looking at the Viver Guide, and I love seeing that because physicians are not given a ton of information about nutrition during our training. Well, we talked about, too, we, we, we do a couple of shows on primary care, and... W- when you're at university going through you know, med school, you know they don't at, train you to ask your patients what are you eating because there's no code to bill against that. So primary care doesn't typically ask what what have you been eating. They ask you your weight, or you, do you smoke, do you drink, all the things that they're given permission to put codes in for in the seven minutes they're limited to. So the, the system isn't really built upon the idea of asking how well you are. It's how sick you are. Do you, do you interface with that at all? Uh, we our, our our whole focus in healthcare now is is going to be on population management. How do we manage to get populations and to get people to be accountable for what they eat, how they eat, when they eat, wh- how they exercise, how they de-stress? Because we're to shift out of the disease management system, we need to switch into a uh, a system yeah. of wellness and. And even with the government, I mean, they're getting on board being in the, you know, being or used to be in the pharmaceutical industry and still am. You know, we have something called the uh, patient reported outcomes. And there's actually a guidance on this. And more and more, um, you know, pharmacological medications are actually having um, outcomes in the label on how patients are doing from that perspective, which is something that was never done 10 years ago. So I think you know, even pharma's understanding the importance and the voice of the patient. Well, again, and, and, and what I'm learning now is the trends in, you know, how oncology is now transferring into hospita- hospitology. And, mm-hmm. the, again, like this notion of patient outcomes and the birth of groups like Corey, uh, you know, are really derivative of the hospital treating the patient in terms of a, a customer. And giving them opportunities, I, I love the fact that you worked in health, economic, and outcomes because I'm a big fan of you know lost cost of productivity and cost of life saved. Mm-hmm. That's a discussion no one's really having right now, and especially you were right. 35, just had two yep. kids. You know, you, you have a half a million dollars to spend now in this in 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 our fabulous economy over the next 20 years to raise them. You know, if you weren't here to do that, who's going to give the economy half a million dollars, right? So, exactly. So yep. how do you make that argument? What was that like for you working at Pharma to try to work on that? I mean, I, I, mean, I owe everything really to, um, you know, the pharmacological drugs that I was given because I was given life and I was given that opportunity. But I was also given, um, I also empowered myself through the health education to really supplement that medication. So I think, you know, a person, I mean, Beth will know, there are many people, unfortunately, with metastatic, um, you know, stage four that don't live that long. And then there's those that will live 10, 15 years uh, or longer. So it's really up to, you know, it's a combination of how well you take care of yourself as well as the medication that you're given. 
Um, it's really a combination of both, if that makes sense. Yeah. I'll, hey, Matthew, yes. have, you, have you met Kelly Turner yet? She yeah, Kelly. Remission? Yeah, she was on the show a couple of weeks ago, actually. Really love her book. Big fan of hers. She, she's fabulous. And, and her mold analogy is the best. I use it with my patients all the time. And I'll say, if you have mold in your basement, you can get out yeah. the Clorox and the mold will disappear. But if you don't mm-hmm. change the ventilation and you don't change the light, you haven't changed the microenvironment in which that cancer was able to be produced. Right. So this is where the exercise and the nutrients and the stress management um, is becoming so fundamental. And I take it to another step, a whole other level. If we do that with our patients and they come to me with cancer, why would we not make that one of our main focuses in how we care for our wellness and how we care for everyone in society before we need to get cancer or before we are going to get yeah. cancer. Well, and that's the that's a major benefit <clears throat> in the economics, um, Matthew, because that's where you'll save the money is through right. the prevention and the you know extra cost of eating well will really downstream save a lot of money, which is really in the minds of many people these days, especially policymakers and and hospital executives, et cetera. Well, right, and to, to know me is to know I hate the word prevention in general. I just hate the word prevention. And part of it's personal because I was born with my cancer, and you can't mm-hmm. prevent that. And That's true. You know, with pediatric cancer, teenage cancer, there's nothing you've done by the age of 25 to cause cancer unless mm-hmm. it's bad luck or by accident. <clears throat> and the University of Manchester study from last month, which just challenged all theology about, you know, I say theology because it's a belief system about cancer incidents, it's really bad luck. And they they talked about how did George Burns, you know, live to 101 smoking and drinking every single day. His genes just were not affected by all that horribleness in his body. So that's luck, the luck of the genes. And I, I mean, I, I'm skeptical of this because, you know, you, you were 35. You didn't do anything. Cancer is a disease of the aged. It's not a disease of the youth. And why are we getting it? And you're right. There are risk factors that we can be aware of. But what do you think pragmatically you could have, should have, would have done differently. Not get pregnant, not live where you lived, not dated the person you... I mean, these are the kind of conversations I think we try to stir and have because no one's really talking about that. I silenced them. <laughs> no, I... I, I was waiting I, here's, for you to chime in, Beth. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'll be happy to chime in. And then Matthew, I was going to go all, after you. There, there, there's definitely, first of all, there's there's definitely a genetic component to so yeah. much of what we know. But even with the genes that we've identified putting patients at higher risk or individuals at higher risk for cancer, there are other factors, environmental factors, there are food factors, there are stress factors, there are things that we were exposed to in utero. So there's a lot of things that we can't do. But the thing that I've always focused on is I can't change, but I can't go back and change. But I can look forward and say, I do know that if my patients who are overweight with an estrogen-driven breast cancer can change their diet and can change their lifestyle, that they're going to have a decreased risk of recovery. So those, that's, a, that's a real tangible. Right. I mean, I can look at a woman and tell them, you know, you can get rid of your belly fat and your estrogen replacement, the estrogen that's going to come and potentially attack your body, is going to diminish. Right. I can't tell you that if I tell a child to, you know, eat their broccoli and eat their green beans and their red beets, that they're never going to get cancer. I wish I could do that because if it was that simple, then, you know, even the most stubborn people would say, wait a minute, I don't want to die of cancer. Right. So there are, there are those factors that we can control and the, then there are others that we, that we can't. But Agreed. I think for, for me being a breast cancer surgeon, there are a lot of things that we stop promoting. I mean, breastfeeding definitely decreases the risk of breast cancer. It doesn't mean that if you breastfeed, you're not going to get cancer. But we know one of the factors, sorry about that, with my silly phone, um, one of the factors that, that we can, you know, makes an impact. Also, having our children earlier. We delay childbirth into, you know, our 30s and 40s many times when I think our bodies were really wired to be having children, you know, in, in our late teens, early 20s, and that should not be a message for either of my sons who are that age, because um, they might be listening to this. But when, when we look at a society, our DNA really hasn't caught up with where we've moved to so fast in our you know, industrialized and you know, totally automated mechanistic world. And so I think that we really do have a problem with our DNA you know, catching up 
to what we've created in this world. Right. And, I mean, and it also comes down to, I mean, no, at this point in time, no one is denying that, you know, eating as well as you can and exercising contribute to a risk, a reduction of risk on average. We look at the bell curve of society and genomics. It's really, <clears throat> it's really the, you know, what are we going to do because we've become a civilization that is antithetical to health, even though, you know, I can go to New York or L.A. and everyone's skinny, but I go to, like, you know, Alabama and everyone's fat. This, the, the culture of this country has evolved or devolved that we, we've had on, on, you know, people talk about on the air to a point where it just becomes, uh, you know, it's convenient and it's very, very hard to sort of break that cycle. Um, so uh, part of what we always talk about when we have a nutritionist or an oncologic nutritionist or somebody at our workshops or our seminars is what can I actually do on a day-to-day basis when I have young kids driving me crazy? I don't have time to go to, you know, Whole Foods because I can't afford it. Like what's someone to pragmatically do on a day-to-day basis? Yeah. I mean, I think that's a, that's the point. And, and I think that's where we are reviver. You can do simple things, Matthew, to really to help yourself. For example, you know, are you drinking enough water? Um, and, and are you uh, eating at least a certain amount of vegetables and fruits? I think that's the most critical. What's really important is that you can gauge. Your body will tell you how you're doing and how you're eating based on, you know, how you're peeing and the color of your pee and what your poop looks like. So just simple modifications and for people to become more aware of their body, they can, they can actually see how they're actually doing. Um, so those are two simple things. The other simple thing is like, you know, drinking, um, drinking less sodas or taking sodas out of one's diet um, and really reducing sugar because sugar really it feeds, um, you know, f- feeds the feeds the cancers and the tumors and and whatnot and spikes your sugar and spikes your levels. So those are a couple simple modifications, um, and and they can make a huge difference in a person's life. You know. Right. Yeah. So <clears throat> so let let's take the last 5 minutes here to talk about Viver itself and and where it origin and what you guys do and how people can learn more about it. Sure, I'll start. So one of the key things here is um what we've done and and as Beth said is we've really created like the cliff notes to um you know mostly everything out there in regards to nutrition. And we've compacted it into five simple steps. Um, and what's really neat is we've actually uh, coordinated these guides to various diseases. So the first one's out on cancer. We have another one on healthy living. We have a um, couple more coming out in diabetes and heart disease and pediatrics. And again, five simple steps. The first one really goes into the step one really goes into the Viver balance sheet. So we give a cheat sheet on you know what's great to eat, what you can avoid. The next one really takes so the recommendations from um, the government and really tells you, you know how to eat properly. What's what's the proportions of fruits and veggies and proteins and beans and everything that you need to take. The third one, um, which I was alluding to earlier, is proportions, levels, and indexes. So it really tells you how much protein do you need a day. What's your pee look like? You know what's your poop supposed to look like? How much sugar are you supposed to have? And how to eat sugar. And then fourth and is really a shopping guide. If I'm going to eat vegetables, which one should I really look for? look for same as fruits and then um you know what type of meat should i eat how much meat am i supposed to eat what are proportions and then lastly the connections you know really talking about cooking with good oils herbs and spices um the amount of exercise you need a week and sleep and again really simply um with these modifications you know a person will feel better because they're putting really good nutri you know good nutrients in their body um, we have these uh, guides, but we're also coming up with an app that will be uh, um, be able to be purchased on um, iOS and Android in the next couple weeks. So I think that will really have an impact on people's lives as well because we're teaming up with some celebrity chefs that have actually, um, you know, taken the guide and are cooking some of the ways from Viber um, and really showing people how to, you know, strip kale and, how to make it taste really good, right? And uh, so it, so that's where we're going. <laughs> no, and it, it's exciting. Oh. 
Beth, uh, and, and so what's your role with this? I mean, you obviously are a, a steward of of mind, body, and, and complementary integrative. I even actually hate that term, complementary integrative. It's just uh, it's it, it, it's, it, it's, it's really. I mean, it's it's just it's just taking care of people, right? It's taking care of the whole person. It's not, you know, it, the, I don't I don't like the word alternative because that has nothing to do with with how I treat patients, right? Basic integrative to me is the right word because you uh, it's kind of taking the best of both worlds. Right. Um, I try to identify what aspects of Eastern medicine are going to be really beneficial to my patients, whether it's nutrition, whether it's acupuncture, Reiki, massage, guided imagery, you know, and there are, there are certain supplements and, and other things that patients can do. But um, with my real role with Vicki and all of this was, you know, Vicki was a survivor of cancer. Um, when I got to know her through um, our foundation retreat, she became a thriver. She was thriving. And she didn't let cancer stop her. And then the term viver is, is to live and, and for rebirth, life and rebirth. And when you think about it, why should you have to become a survivor or a thriver? Why can't you just be a viver? Why can't we create, you know, a kind of a movement to say, okay, listen, I would love to do everything that I can do to prevent disease from happening. And when I look at my patients who carry the BRCA gene, and we see cancers a decade earlier in women now than some women are being diagnosed before their mothers because there, ha- there are all those other environmental, food, stress, lack of sleep, you name it, influences on these women that are making them get cancer at a younger age. So when we have things that we can modify, that's why, you know, start with the basics. Start with nutrition. Start with nutrition and to have a resource for my patients, when someone comes to my office, I'm going to say, well, no one's ever really talked to me about nutrition. I'm a breast cancer surgeon. And for me to be the first person to talk to, talk to a patient about nutrition at times. It's shameful. It is. So we got to go back to basics. Right. Well, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show. It's always, <clears throat> like I said, this is clearly, you know, we're a young organization. We're, we're, we're different. We're not any more special. But, you know, I, I just go back to this, you know, economic indicators and outcomes. You know, we have the most to lose than, you know, I, I hate pigeonholing generations against each other. We really do have the most to lose until, uh, without straightening this whole process out. And I think you guys are really at the forefront of that conversation. So I really want to thank you for, for coming on the show. Uh, we've been talking with Vicki. I'm going to pronounce this horribly again. Bargo? Bargout? Close? That's perfect. Okay. <laughs> uh, breast Bar-Gate. cancers, former uh, uh, pharmaceutical oncology executive and uh, breast cancer survivor, young enough breast cancer survivor, and currently the founder of Viver. What's the website? It's uh, viverhealth.com, V-I-V-E-R-H-E-A-L-T-H.com, and people can go on the site and get the guides. That's great. And Dr. Beth, you're pre-surgeon, author, teacher, philanthropist, uh, currently uh, the um, – uh, are you the – the founder of the Consciousness Foundation, Healing Consciousness Foundation? Yep, I'm the founder of the Healing Consciousness Foundation and currently the uh, medical director of integrative medicine at Holy Redeemer Health System. And I'm also the chairman of the Department of Surgery. This is what happens when you get stuff done. I was going to say, like, more jobs and more hats. Underachievers. <laughs> and We're and all about underachievers. Survivor. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah, there you go. I forgot that one. Right. Oh, your LinkedIn profiles are embarrassing me now. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank, Thank you. you for having us. All right, great. All righty. That was our show. And uh, any final thoughts? I always really like the, again, I really like the nutrition shows because it's fun to be, I mean, it, it's fun to be captious. I, See how the other half lives? <laughs> no, I, it, no one's disputing the fact that we need to eat well healthy and make better decisions and you know she and she's right i mean there's an episode of sex in the city and i'm proud to know this when samantha gets breast cancer and the surgeon blames her for never having kids that apparently having children at a younger age reduces your risk of breast cancer and having children at an older age or never having children increases your risk of breast cancer which is actually true but the way they framed it and threw it in her face on the show like lit up this fire in the breast cancer community but it's true we're living in a modern age in this country. People are having less children at a later age. And we live in a fast food, high-paced, high-stress culture. What are we going to do? And and I, I would just conclude this show by saying everyone listening should watch Vice 
did a show on uh, cancer recently about the immunotherapies of viruses, the AIDS virus, the measles virus, the smallpox virus curing cancer. And honestly, that doesn't stop us from getting it, but if it prevents us from dying from it, I'm all for it. And, and I think it's a great way to end uh, this podcast. Vice, I think it's on HBO, um, and I, Killing Cancer, I think was the name of the episode. So uh, with that said, I, uh, now time for our closing sequence. Prepare to activate. Uh, I hear there's rumors on the uh, internets. You ever seen a grown man naked? And so, to all of you, a fond farewell. Hooray, I'm helping. You are a meathead. Oh, Magoo, you've done it again. That was so terrible, I think you gave me cancer. Okay, folks, that's our show. The 330th episode of the Stupid Cancer Show. We hope you had as much fun as we did poking a stick at Stupid Cancer. I'd like to thank our guests, Jameson and April Reynolds from Nerdhood Running, with their adorable children, Patrick and Ben, Vicky Bargo and Dr. Beth Dupree from Viber Health. The Stupid Cancer Show is a production of Stupid Cancer, the largest charity that comprehensively addresses young adult cancer online at stupidcancer.org If you haven't already, visit stupidcancershow.org and never miss an episode by signing up for our newsletter and subscribing to the free podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, iHeartRadio, and Blog Talk Radio. Remember, folks, if it ain't stupid, it ain't cancer. Coming to you from the chemo deck, and on behalf of myself, Kenny Kane, Mallory Rivera, and Sean Shapiro, thanks for listening. We'll see you on the next broadcast of The Stupid Cancer Show. Good night, folks. Hey, everybody.